Hello, everybody, and welcome back from the bye week. This is Garden State of Hockey, and I'm still Dan Roselle. That didn't change over the bye week, and John Fisher is with me as well. Hello, John. Hi, Dan. I also did not change in the bye week. Fantastic. And since this is our early week episode, and since there were no games last week, we decided to wait it out to record until after the contest against the Ottawa Senators, again in Ottawa, and again ended by a Mr. Jack Hughes past regulation time. But the process to get there was by no means easy. So, uh, John, you want to walk us through exactly what a mess this game was and really what looked like maybe the worst three-on-three in history? It was not the worst (laughs) three-on-three in history. It looked very bad. No, Well, here's the thing, Dan. The Devils are not a good hockey team. Oh, weird. And the Ottawa Senators are also not a good hockey team. Mm -hmm. And both teams decided to let their freak flags fly and show just be proud of the fact that they are bad at the game of hockey. I don't think anybody playing the concept of preventative defense um, showed up in this game. Both teams ended the night with over 80 shooting attempts over the 65 minutes of hockey that we have seen. This is the most shots on goal the Devils have had in a game since 1999. Exactly. The Devils just kept finding the target. And not to mention, that doesn't include the three posts that they hit. Right. But unfortunately, they ran into Marcus Hogberg, who I guess will now go down in the, um, you know, selective memory hall of fame of guys, you know, goaltenders that you've never heard of that has played out of their minds. It's the latest rookie that turned into Hasek. Well, the Devils have turned some rookies, goalies, into some bad takes, but unfortunately, Hogberg is not a Philadelphia Flyer, so right. Hogberg had himself a very good night. And he made it. A, he had a very impressive night. He robbed Jack Hughes in front. He robbed Blake Coleman in front. He robbed one-timers. He robbed guys in front. Mm-hmm. You know, Severson so as well. Well, yeah, he he robbed a legitimately good shot by Severson, and of course, gave up a. Um, a blooper to him, for lack of a better word. I mean, the Devils just kept pounding the rock all night long. Jack Hughes, the big deal, had eight shots on net. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you look at the box score and it's stunning. Normally you would see like one or two Devils get at least three shots in a game, if that. And usually that number includes Blake Coleman. But this is one of the rare games where Blake Coleman's five shots seems kind of pedestrian alongside of Damon Severson six, the aforementioned big deals eight, and a whole bunch of other guys with four, which, again, if you start adding posts into the mix, they get up to five easily, like Gusev, Subban, Brat, Zaka. Oh, no, Zaka hit the post, but he didn't get the four shots with the post. Uh, Palmieri, um, you know, Wayne Simmons was very close as well. Like, every, like only Travis Ajax did and ended up without a shot on it tonight. And I wouldn't be surprised if you run the tape and you show the tape to the score, he probably would have found one for number 19 mm-hmm. there. Like, everybody shoot. But here's the thing, Dan. The Senators were just as offensive. They didn't register nearly as many shots. They had many more that were just getting stuffed by the Devils because the Devils play their five-on-five defense just like it's a penalty kill. So it's blocks ahoy, and uh, they got stuffed 29 times in addition to their 17 misses, but they still registered a total of 84 attempts. So like I said, there was just a lot of sequences in this game where nobody wanted to hold on to the puck in the neutral zone. Guys were flying every which way. You know, you pit, you know, every shift, every line would get a good shift in on offense because nobody was doing a good job defensively unless you count, you know, desperation and quick reactions to deny big chances, uh, good defense, which honestly, I really don't because eventually this volume catches up to you and um, it eventually did for both goaltenders. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the team defense, I actually, you know, we, we mentioned that Hughes was flying out there. He made some 
really nice plays to uh, break up passes around the neutral zone. He, he seemed pretty present. I mean, until you reached the three on three and he skated over a bunch of pucks and tripped a few times. And it, that was just such a mess to watch. But really, yeah. this game was a wild back and forth. And honestly, thank goodness they won this because it would have been an embarrassing end to a game where they led 2-1 entering the third period and right. gave up two shorthanded goals on the same power play. And this was all after earlier in the night. I mean, I hate to say, it, I, I don't want to take this angle, but it looked sure looked to everyone like PK Subban got absolutely bullied by Brady Kachuk. All right. So we got to talk about the goals in this game because they were weird. Yeah, Kevin Rooney scoring period. Well, yeah. Well, let's take let's walk it back. So, like I said, Hogberg had an amazing night going from post to post, and he was bailed out by the by the frame uh, three times. Mm -hmm. So, of course, as you would figure, the goals he would give up in regulation were goals that may, maybe he wished he would have had another chance at. So, Severson's power play goal apparently hit the post, went off his back, rolled down, and then he inadvertently kicked it in. Mm -hmm. And then Tyler Ennis just puts back a rebound on a power play because which was stupid in the sense that the Devils looked amazing for the first half of that penalty kill and then just decided no we don't need to protect the net we don't we don't need to worry about this guy and you know he just had an easy uh, easy goal to make it 1-1 mm -hmm. then in the second period not long after Jack Hughes gets robbed on a oh, wide open shot in front big flashy save Andy Green looks like he's about to get uh, you know posterized by Brady Kachuk I believe or no it was Colin White Somehow Green muscled on Colin White from behind, won the puck, moved it up, kept the puck in on offense after Mirko Mueller uh, made a play, rolls down to the corner. Kevin Rooney went for the wraparound, and it went up and in. This is the high IQ play, John. We saw one-timers in the slot get robbed by Hogman. <laughs> We've seen... You know, wide open shots, got, you know, not just Hughes, but Coleman got robbed. Mm -hmm. Simmons got robbed. Zaka got robbed. Lots of guys got robbed. What goes in? Kevin Rooney's wraparound attempt. You can't make this up until the third period. And then we feel sad. We felt depressed. We were heartbroken. We were distressed, Dan. Yeah. Because it, power play, which otherwise was having a good night. Right. It was power play was getting chances, doing good things, you know. What was it at that you know, point? Was it one for three or one for one? It, it was one for three because the first power play was a double minor. Right, right, right. And then Brady Kachuk takes an offensive zone penalty when he high stick Pavel Zaka. When honestly, Zaka probably should have gotten one for holding, mm. but whatever. And Devils get aggressive. Senators break away. Nemestikov leads a two on one. Vatnin correctly takes away the pass. Uh, from Pajot, who's their leading sh shorthanded goal scorer, and Nemestikov roofs the shot past Blackwood. 2-2. On the same power play, and mind you, it's a two-minute power play, Dan. It's a two-minute power play. Yeah, that made it so much worse for some reason. Somehow, Chris Tierney, or no, Logan Brown and Chris Tierney somehow double-team Severson at the point to have the puck jar loose, and they go off. Brown, you know, Simmons is literally fighting his way through uh, Tierney to get in front of him. Tries to help on uh, to force Brown to make a pass. He does, but nobody catches up to Tierney. And then Blackwood basically just oversold to his right. So Tierney just went to uh, his own right, which was to Blackwood's left. It's wide open. He slides it in low. It's now two to three. Two shorthanded goals against on the same power play. You hate to see it, Dan, because I hated seeing it. Yeah, that was basically hearkening back to 
finding new ways to lose games. So finding new and oh, inventive yeah. ways to manage to blow a third period lead. But what ended up happening, you know, grace be to Paul Mary. Thank goodness he's back and actually playing. And, you know, there's yeah. a little bit of a scare with him in overtime as well, which I'm nervous about, admittedly. But he managed to finally convert on one of his chances and yep. tied the game up, and really it was barreling towards an absolute hot mess of a finish. And then we get to that 3-on-3 oh, period, which was, uh, I mean, sloppy Sloppy is one word I would use. Negligent is another I would use with the amount of times that Ottawa senders were left completely alone on the doorstep, and Blackwood really, yep. really bailed them out in the 3-on-3. Right, and keep in mind, the Devils themselves generated some high-quality chances. They had two breakaways. Mm-hmm. And they could have had a third, but one was called back on offside um, where, you know, again, it's a classic case of this is kind of what people want at a three on three. There's too many people online complaining, as usual, people online complaining, you know, oh, you know, they're too structured. They coach the fun out of the three on three. What makes three on three fun is when the guys are completely not playing responsible hockey because then things just get wacky. And it comes down to individual efforts, and that makes the people go, ooh, and ah, and, and all this and that. And you're absolutely right. Blackwood came to play. And mind you, Blackwood himself had a very good game. I'm not, you know, okay, maybe the tyranny goal he probably should have done better on. But the other two, he, I don't think he really had much of a chance. And, he, you know, he came up massive uh, down the stretch, and especially one-on-one in overtime. But, uh, again, once again, Hogberg was denying everything whether it was uh, a breakaway from Gusev, a breakaway from Brat, that wacky loft pass from Heischer to Butcher, Mm -hmm. where Butcher batted it just like an inch off the ice. I honestly thought, that's got to go in. Nope. Hogberg and his big black pads just swallowed it up like a black hole. Um, You know, very entertaining for the neutral fan. If you're a fan of the Devils or the Senators, you're probably going, wow, that was exciting. I hope I never see that again because that was terrible in many respects. <laughs> yeah, very anxiety-inducing for both fan bases. And I want to reemphasize the Hopeberg point that you're making. And it's a tweet that CJ just posted, actually. But it's only the sixth time in franchise history the Devils have had at least 53 shots in the game, but only the second time that they've won. So yep. I don't know why this result is so consistent among New Jersey Devils games maybe in the past decade, but it, it could, feels like one of those examples where it could have easily been a game where they outshot their opponent and lost, but, you know, they get to the shootout, and all of a sudden, the Wizards, Gusev, and Hughes both just made it look pretty easy to score. They just went in slowly and uh, waited out Hogberg. Maybe it's a rookie thing, but the Devils managed to score on both their opportunities, and Blackwood stood tall, and the Devils come away with another two points in Ottawa with, like we said at the top, Jack Hughes ending the game. Absolutely, and these and this is something the Devils really do need going forward because I don't know if you saw the graphic on MSG's broadcast, but the most experienced shootout takers on the team by percentage included Wayne Simmons at 30%, even though he's taken like maybe 11 attempts or something right, like that. Yeah. Travis Zajac at 26%, but they noted in the subtext that he's 0 for his last 13 attempts. Oh, good. And then at 1 for 7, Jesper Bratt. (laughs) (laughs) So needless to say, it's in the devil's best interest to find some guys for this uh, shootout because, yes, it's not a ROW. Yes, it's not an RW. They're not tie-breaking wins, but those are extra points. And if you figure in the future where we expect the Devils to be a better hockey team and much more competitive in the standings – 
you know, winning a couple shootouts helps you. Not everybody can be the Boston Bruins where you're so good, it's okay if you're 0 for 7 on the shootout. Right. I mean, you need you need to go out there and get a couple of those bonus points, so to speak. And, you know, now the Devils are actually very close to being respectable in the shootout this season. They're now 3 and 4 this season in shootouts. And the win, of course, ends a three-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, in the standings... <laughs> The Devils are still below Ottawa. Yeah. So even though the Devils, because the Devils wanted a shootout, but because Ottawa got the point, that means both teams have 43 points. Ottawa went into the game with 17 row, and the Devils only had 15. That obviously didn't change with the shootout win, so guess what? The Devils are still technically just ahead of Detroit in the East. But with two wins over Ottawa this season, I guess you can make the argument that the Devils may not be the second worst team in the East. That's kind of what we're grasping for for this season, guys. Wow, we're we're not the second worst team in the East. We're truly so blessed, and you got to grasp for anything, really. But the most important part for me, at least, was just seeing how Hughes played this game. It was just nice yeah. to see him get those kinds of opportunities. Nice to see him omnipresent on the ice, and that's really what we're looking for from these games going forward. Like that would have been a nice result, whether or not they won or lost. I mean, the win is nice because then. You know, Subban getting embarrassed doesn't just become a microcosm of what this game ended up being. Yeah. And at the same time, it really did help that, um, one, Ottawa cannot play defense to save their lives. Mm. That helped a lot. And two, you got Miles Wood way the hell away from Jack Hughes. Like, Miles Wood was stapled to that fourth line with Kevin Rooney and John Hayden. And I think it was for the best for all involved because, you know, with Wood, you have that that temptation to just throw pucks into space and hope you can win the race. And then you'll figure it out from there Um, with Zaka instead. And and paired with Simmons, Hughes was able to take a much more definitive role in terms of taking the puck, taking guys on. And again, since Ottawa was bad defensively, Hey, take them on. Now the real test is going to be coming on Thursday to see whether or not they're going to keep that together against a probably more defensively sound Nashville team. Yeah, but you say that, and then we take a look at who the coach is now, and while they are more talented, defensively sound has never been a hallmark of the John Hines era in New Jersey, so let's see how he implemented his system in Nashville. Well, Toronto just uh, bossed them around. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. I'm looking at the wrong number here. Eh, Actually, no, Toronto did well against them. You know, they went up big on them and never really lost the lead. And as Nashville fans have uh, probably been worrying, because if you look at the Western Conference standings, um, Nashville has 51 points, and they're currently one, two, three, three teams behind the wild card spots. And all those teams ahead of them, while Nashville has games and hands on them, they all have more points than them. So th- th- this game and the devil and the game they're going to play Wednesday night and the game they're going to play against New Jersey on Thursday night, those are games that they're going to need to start getting wins. They need wins against the non-playoff teams because they're going to face a lot of playoff teams coming up or playoff bound teams. It's pretty much put up or shut up time for Nashville. And their first test after a long break was against Toronto. They clearly failed. And once again, you know, they just bled goals to a high scoring Toronto team. We'll see how they do under John Hines and his wonderful methods of preparation as they are going to take on a Devils team right after playing on Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing, I mean, they'll be plenty motivated, as you've laid out here. And I wonder what the reception will be like for Hines. I'm I'm curious to see what the fan reaction is like to him getting announced as a coach. I'm sure it'll be, you know, fine. 
luke lukewarm or not not anything scorching or controversial but you know if nashville is plenty motivated for that game the devils have plenty of reason to be motivated for their game after that as they take on the dallas stars and we alluded to this before the bye week but it is the honoring of the 2000 stanley cup team from new jersey's and if you listen to the Devils' official podcast, Jason Arnott seemed to say that there's going to be a lot of alumni there. So it's going to be oh, yeah. a good time. It's going to be very nostalgic, and it's going to be something where it would be nice to honor those guys while they're in the building. And maybe, you know, not so bad to be a Devil, but obviously none of those guys care. They won the Cup and it's going to be a great ceremony. I think it'll be something that's a nice reprieve in a season that's been wildly disappointing so far. Absolutely. Now, the other big question, Dan, is how many more minutes are we going to see out of the likes of, uh, well, Palmieri's status is in doubt because mm-hmm. he, 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 came, he came off a little lame uh, in overtime. I'm not, I think he blew it. I'm trying to remember if he was the one that blew he a tire did, yeah. and crashed with it. Yeah, okay, that was Palmieri mm-hmm. then. And that was just an awkward thing because he just, he just lost it on his own. Like there was no senator on him. He didn't get tripped up. He just you know, lost an edge and just barreled into Hogberg. So I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, whether or not he re-injured that ankle or a knee or something to that effect. Uh, Cause he played a lot in his first game back. He played 21 minutes mm-hmm. and only he sure played more minutes among the forwards. And mind you, granted that includes five minutes of power play time, but still that's a lot of minutes for being out of action for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And of course, Nico, he playing 22 minutes is fitting for him. Um, Cause He's Nico Heischer. He's an all-star. Yeah, Nico was the only one that had to play some, I won't say competitive hockey during the all-star break, but he was our all-star. He got two goals and two assists in the one game that the Metropolitan Division played in the game itself. Yep. I won't talk about the accuracy shooting contest because naturally it was rigged and we don't like to talk about that. Um, <laughs> Good. Uh, okay. That's that's all I can say. Um, the most important thing you need to know is that the Metropolitan team scored Five goals in their game. He sure was involved in four of them. Chris Kreider sucks. <laughs> um, That's what you know. And like I said, we won't talk about the accuracy shooting. There'll be no further comment at this time. But congratulations to him for participating in his first All-Star game. I'm sure it was an awesome experience for Nico Heischer. And coming up is the AHL All-Star game where Joey Anderson will be participating. And Joey Anderson's kind of caught fire as of late and as Binghamton's turned things around. But really what we wanted to talk about to just round out this episode, since there were no more games, is the demotion of Jesper Boquist to the AHL. And we talked about it last time. Because, John, you had mentioned that his international clause actually expired, so he was AHL eligible now, and it kind of sounds like at the first opportunity that they could send him down, they did. And it, to me, it doesn't feel that bad at all. What about you? I think it's very fitting. Um, it made total sense to do it during the bye week, since it's more important that guys like him and Mike McLeod and other younger players that were kind of on the cusp, so to speak, uh, go out there and get some additional minutes. And Bokvist looked really fast in his uh, and really skilled in his uh, first appearance for Binghamton. So it's fitting that he went out there and just it, it was sort of like a realization that, OK, here is where he can actually shine as an offensive player, because truth be told, in New Jersey, he's been mostly playing with the likes of Kevin Rooney or the likes of uh, 
struggling Pavel Zaka, as I'll call him, and and the likes of uh, John Hayden, and 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 basically bottom six, very limited minutes. And every so often, maybe he'll get a couple shifts with Nico and um, Palmieri, which didn't really do much good for him because he's overmatched. So he he's one of those classic cases of he's definitely was not really good enough for the NHL, but you. There was no value to send him back to Sweden at the beginning of the season, so you, you sort of roll with it. And now that the opportunity is here, you throw him in the AHL. He looks he looks much more like the player you want him to become. So let him work on that, get, get that confidence going, and get this skill set going. Get his mind right. And um, he's joining Binghamton at a good time since, as you said, they're turning their season around a little bit. It's still a long way to go for them to succeed at anything, but at the very least um, – the team has more more skill, and New Jersey has something to look forward to instead of just going, eh, we'll call this guy up because we need a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's definitely nice that he gets more of an opportunity, and I feel like he'll take that step that um, you know Jack Hughes won't have the luxury to take where he does get the time to build his confidence back up. He does have the time, like you said, to play more offensive minutes oriented around a team that is – buzzing now they're they're inching closer and closer towards the playoffs but i know a couple episodes ago i talked about how they weren't all that close and they'd have to keep the streak going and play at a crazy pace to be competitive but they've they've kept things up they've won i believe 11 of their last 13 games and a lot of it has to do as you saw um in jeff's tweets with the arrival of merkley and schnarr yeah they've had some crazy comebacks i think they had the what a five goal comeback the other night. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, they're, they're pulling off. And of course there was the interesting shootout con. I don't want to say controversy because ultimately the devils won it. Um, where that, that led to Sharon Govich basically taunting the goaltender. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but the point is, is that they're getting, they're getting these games to be similar to what the devils did tonight in Ottawa. They're getting results out of this game. They're getting points in a position where they kind of need them by any means necessary, and now they're just sort of clawing their way back to respectability. With the New Jersey Devils, their season is effectively done. They're not. I don't think they're going to catch our hated rivals at this rate unless our hated rivals hilariously collapse, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But as of right now, Dan, the team is not last in the North Division, and the team is only a couple points back of Syracuse and Toronto. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team anytime soon, but – this is no longer the doormat of the division like they were, say, two months ago. Right. And that's a good thing. Yeah, no, exactly. You want excellence to kind of flow up and down the organization. And it was really bleak when both the New Jersey Devils and the Binghamton Devils were just scraping the bottom of the barrel. But Binghamton seems to really have found something with the arrival of those new guys, with the added depth. And I'm sure having Boquist down there, you know, that's helped as well. He scored a few goals for the Binghamton Devils. McLeod is down there. They, they have some guys that really should be taking the next step at this point. Anderson, the, the aforementioned, um, he's the one who, he's really stepped up. Like, people didn't expect him to take this much of a leap his, what, his second professional year? Yeah, second professional year. And he's really impressed so far, and as the All-Star representative, yeah, he was a replacement, but he was deserving of it on his own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a scoring-by-committee sort of thing over there. I mean, you could have also made a really good case for Brett Sini, who is their team's leading scorer right now, mm-hmm. 
to be their all-star representative. And that's kind of what that's kind of how things are going right now for the B Devils is that there's not that that one player, that one line that is just sort of crushing everything. It's a lot of guys having to come in and contribute and again, you know, when times are tough, it's rough because it's like who who out here is going to step up? Who who out here is going to make the play or make the move or take the shot that we need to take cuz nobody's making it. But when things are hot, everybody's looking much better because of it. And it sort of builds upon itself that even when you have that loss, it's not like, okay, now we're going to now lose eight in a row again. It's, hey, okay, we lost. That sucked. Let's go figure it out and try to do better next time and keep on grinding in a game. And who knows? Maybe you make that five-goal comeback. Maybe you win that shootout uh, game. You know, as I mentioned, the uh, shootout controversy, I want to say it was against – Oh, I can't remember the exact team if it was Utica or Syracuse. I think it was a New York team, obviously. Yeah, because there's a million of them. Uh, yeah, there's a million of them <laughs> in the AHL. Where apparently a goal was scored, it went, but it was like quickly in and out. And upon review, they didn't give it to the Devils. So the Devils thought they won the shootout. It went to the seventh round. Sharon Govich then and, – and the, goal, the other team's goalie was also making a big fuss about how the Devils shouldn't have celebrated and whatever. They should go back to their bench. So Sharon Govich basically slides the puck in with on a fake shot and basically starts pointing and saying, you go to the bench. You go to the bench. And probably some other words that we can't use on this podcast. Go to the bench and, is a very but, friendly way to say it. Yeah, exactly. But the point is, is that earlier in the season, the Devils wouldn't even get that far. They would, they would have that terrible thing happen in the shootout and they'd just be like, well, that's the game. Forget it. We came this far, at least we got our point. Let's get out of here. It's like, no, there, there's some resiliency to uh, go out there and get that. And to your point, there's some value within the organization to reflect that value. That, um, you know, if nothing else, you know, don't be a doormat. Don't be like the Detroit Red Wings where they are literally going into games going, yep, we're here to lose. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, we're not here to get a W. We're here to lose. So... I want you, you know, we want that negative 90 goal differential to be dropped down even further. All right, let's go. Like, you know, because you can't just turn it on next season or two seat or two seasons now and say, hey, it's all going to be all good and we're going to be competitive now. It doesn't work that way. A lot of this is incremental and it's and it's often doing it when it's not necessarily the best idea to do it. So go out there, celebrate the Ottawa win. Go out there, try to win the national game. Follow the follow the footsteps of what the Bingham and Devils done and. Who knows? Maybe you do surpass our hated rivals. And it's okay if you do because the top 10 in this draft class is really good and picking ninth is okay. Yeah, honestly, like, what has picking higher than anyone else yielded so far? We haven't seen the return of that yet because those guys are pretty young still. But, you know, there's a really good chance this year in particular, as you alluded to, that they can still get a pretty good player and avoid a lot of embarrassment. And it's not even about yeah. that. It's that they can get used to a winning mentality, these young guys. Like, I'm not as concerned for the veterans who are most likely going to be traded. They, you know, they've been on successful teams before. They, they know what it takes. But it's nice that these guys are able to grow on their own and find this winning feeling at some point. It would be really good if they you know, ended this season strong and gave people something to look forward to for next season. Especially since season ticket holders have just been given a notice that the auto renewal on their season tickets is coming up. Right. And did you see the attendance today? Uh, for the Ottawa game? Yes. I did not, Dan. It was what under 10,000. Under well, 10,000 fans for a game in Canada, and that is because the New Jersey Devils were in town. Let's get that respect back to end the year, huh? And here I was going to say, you know, Eugene Melnick has done a fantastic job basically burning down the market for years and years and years. 
but hey, we'll go with that too. You got you got it. You got to get your you got to grasp for your victories wherever you can find them, right, Dan? Yeah, no, I, I guess so. And speaking of that as well, you mentioned the Red Wings. I just want to, you know, if if you guys have an athletic subscription or anything like that, there's a feature on the website where it shows you all the teams in a single visual ranked on, you know, shots against per game, goals against per game, save percentage. The Devils' numbers rank pretty low in all of those categories. The Red Wings are dead last in pretty much anything that has to do with hockey ever. So while things are bad, <laughs> they could conceivably get worse. And let's be thankful oh, yeah. that that's not the case. As Mythbusters has said, failure is always an option. And look to Detroit for failure this season. <laughs> and that being said, um, I think that wraps us up for today. We'll be back once again this weekend for more of a variety episode. But thanks again for joining us. And thanks again for uh, sticking with us through the bye week here. I know the season's getting kind of long, but we're looking forward to what the rest of it will bring. Looking forward to see who emerges, who gets the ball rolling for next season and who really kind of takes over and says, okay, this is my team. This is what's going to happen. Let's get back into the big leagues here. Absolutely. All right. Go devils. <laughs> Go devils. Thanks again. Have a good night or whenever you listen to this. I don't know you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>